Hey, this is Ken Finnan at Capital Advantage Tutoring, and it's my job to get you past the SIE. If you like what I'm doing, please hit like, subscribe, hit the little notification button so you know when I'm putting stuff down, and share this stuff. If you think somebody's having trouble, send them the stuff, which is settlement and corporate actions. So again, settlement and corporate actions. So a couple things. This is all about trading, clearing, settlement. So there's some terms you have to know just so you understand. So basically, when you're buying and selling shares, you actually have to settle the stuff. So let's go through some of the terms first. So order entry is the entering of the order, whether it's a print or an electronic ticket. Most people do electronic. I mean, it's just there are very few print tickets anymore. We're not stamping tickets like we used to when I did it. Execution is the actual trade. It's actually the buyer and seller of the security that you see on the tape. Um, clearing is the agreement on the details. So after, after the fact, we go, okay, I agree. I'm JP Morgan, you're Schwab. I bought 1,000 shares at 40 from you, and you agree that you sold 1,000 shares at 40 to me. That means it's cleared. We, we agree on the terms. Settlement is when we actually, I send the money to you. If I bought 1,000 shares at 50, I'm going to send you 50 grand, and then you're going to send me 1,000 shares. That's settlement. Okay, the custody is basically after it's settled and all that, it's basically the safekeeping, all, where us holding the securities and the money and all that other stuff. Okay, so settlement is when you become an owner of the shares. It's when the broker-dealer pays for the shares they bought and when they receive the money, they receive the shares. I keep doing that, receive the shares that they paid for. So settlement is going to be when the broker-dealer pays the other broker-dealer who sold it to them, and then, the, and then they receive the shares. That's normally regular way settlement is T plus 2. So if you buy it on Monday, it settles on Wednesday. If you buy it on Tuesday, it settles on Thursday, etc. That's basically everything. Almost everything in the world settles T plus two. It's for two things. Options and treasuries. Trading. Trading treasuries. Trading options is T plus one, which means it's next day. Other than that, anything other than those two is a special settlement, like we have to arrange it. So again, regular way settlement is T plus two. Boom. The only two things that are not that are option trading and treasury trading. So let's go on that for a second. So treasuries, they just settle T plus one, which you buy it on Monday, it settles the next day. Options, when you trade the options, is T plus one. If you exercise an option, it goes back to T plus two. So trading an option, buy it on Monday, settles on Tuesday. If you exercise an option, meaning an equity option, you're buying the stock or selling the stock, so it goes back to the T plus two, which is the reg regular thing. If you do a non-equity, like an index option or a currency option or an in interest rate option, any of the, or the VIX, that's always T plus one trade, T plus one settlement. So non-equity options, T plus one all around. Equity options, T plus one to trade, T plus two to exercise. That should help a little bit. Okay. So now, if I don't want to settle T plus two, say I want to change it up, I can do different things. I can actually request to settle on a different time period. Okay. So I can do what they call a cash settlement. That means the same day. Cash settlement means I'm settling the same day I buy it. I buy it at two, you know, one in the afternoon. It settles at two thirty. That's a number you may have to know. If you do cash settlement, it settles by two thirty in the day. So your next question is, what if I do it after two thirty, within thirty minutes? So two. So set, uh, same day settlement is you buy it and it's going to settle the same day, which means the money gets moved the same day. Now remember, that has nothing to do with you, the customer. That's the broker-dealer dealer settling. That's not the customer. The customer actually has four days to pay. Now, 
seller's option. That's just if I'm a seller, maybe I want to sell stock, but I'm not sure I'm going to have the shares in time, whether it's for some stupid reason. Maybe it may be in four days, five days, three days, whatever it is. So seller's option is saying, listen, I want to sell you the stock, but I don't know when I'm going to settle yet. I'll let you know. The only rule here is it can't be over, I think, over 35 days. And the other thing, so it has to be between three and 35 days, and I have to give you a warning. So if I'm selling it to you, so if I sell it to you, and I say I'd have to do seller's option, and then I want to exercise, I have to give you at least one day warning before I exercise. Okay. Now, the last one, everyone gets confused on this, when issued. When issued is really when and as if issued. So when and if issued. So basically, when issued means it's kind of been authorized, the shares or the bonds or whatever it is have been authorized, but the, the issues have not, it hasn't been issued yet officially. So you can trade it. But the thing is, there's no actual settlement date. It settles based on when it's finally available for delivery. So we can't settle until we can deliver shares. So when issued means we're going to do the trade. The money's, the money's not really going to change hands until, that, until it actually settles, and we don't know when that's going to be. Okay, so now what I said before, real quick, settlement is, okay, settlement is always going to be when the broker-dealer buys it, pays the other broker-dealer, that's T plus two. Now, the customer is under reg T. This is called a reg T settlement. This is payment day. This is when you, the customer, have to pay for it. So the customer has actually two more days. So the customer has S plus two, which normally is four days. So if you have S, if you ever, if you want to know when the customer has to pay for it, you have four days to pay for it. Good luck finding a broker dealer that'll let you pay for it after, but it's it's they're allowed to. So if you buy shares on Monday, it settles on Wednesday, but you actually have till Friday to pay for it. There you go. That's customer payment. That's Reg T settlement. Okay. So there are different types of settlements. So there's book entry. So think of book entry as like you're not actually holding anything. It's a bunch of ones and zeros sitting in an account at DTCC, DTCC, David, Tom, Charlie, Charlie. That's the clearing corporation. So the whole point is, they. It's based, if you want to know the name of it, the Depository Trust Clearing Corp, but nobody cares. DTCC, actually, all the broker dealers have accounts at DTCC or the clearing broker dealers, not the little ones, the big ones that clear. They have accounts there. And so when you do a trade, they just kind of take it out of one account and put it in another. And then they, when you the money, they move it there. So there's no actual delivery of shares, and that's called book entry, where it's just a computer log where they go, they journal it out of here, and they journal it into yours, and then they move the money over. That's all it is. That's most settlement. That's book entry, okay? So we have also a paper settlement. Paper settlement is basically that we're delivering the actual pieces of paper, the securities, an actual deliverable thing to Then there's paper settlement, which is what you always think about when you're thinking about settlement, is you're delivering shares, the actual shares that you bought, you're getting them. So this happens if it's not DTCC eligible, like if it's Rule 144 or some, some pink sheet stocks or something like that. So what happens is you have to know that you're getting the right thing. So it has to be in good delivery form based on the FINRA UPC Uniform Practice Code. U uniform Practice Code is based on the rules that the broker dealers have to follow with dealing with each other. It's fair dealing in a way. So first we have a QCIP number. I want you to think of a QCIP number as if it's a VIN number, okay? Like the VIN number in your car. It's an ID number. Each security, not each share in particular, but each security has its own QCIP number. So each security has its own QCIP number. 
So each Q-SIP number is like, you know, um, Chase preferred, 8% preferred is one Q-SIP number. The Chase Common has another. IBM has a different. IBM Preferred has a different one. Each class of securities, if you want to say, has its own QSIP number. It's not each particular piece of paper that you own. It's just the overall, like the common stack has one QSIP, Preferred has another, and 4% Preferred has a QSIP, a 5% Preferred has a different one. It's just an identification number. Now, if you're going to do delivery in the paper form, well, you have to. Usually, like a title, you'll have to sign the back. Stock power, you'll have to sign the back. If you don't do that, it's not really stock power. It's endorsement, okay? If you don't have the certificates to to sign the back on, you can actually send what they call stock power. Basically, you send a stock power saying, listen, you can sell these things. It's like when you sell a car, you have a title. You have to sign a title, okay? Now, units of delivery. So if it's common stock or stock, it's in units of 100, okay, 100 shares. Now, remember, it has to actually add to 100. If you're selling an odd lot, obviously not. Now, oh, what's an odd lot? An odd lot is anything under 100 shares. A round lot is 100 shares or more on stock. Now, bonds, it's 1,000, but that's all that matters. Bonds, it's 1,000 is a good delivery. Stock is 100 shares. When we deliver the shares, they have to be in multiples of 100. So if you buy 50 shares, then deliver the 50. But if you deliver 500 shares, it has to be either, it can be, five shares of 100. It can be a 500-share lot. It can be two twos and one 100. It can be a bunch of, like, it could be five fifties and 10 25s, as long as you can add them up to equal 100. So, like, if you're going to do 200 shares, you could do four fifties because you could add the 50s together to get 100. But you can't do five forties because there's no way to put two forties together to equal 100. So if you have 200 shares to be delivered, one, make sure that it actually adds to 200 because that could be on the test. But it has to add up into the into 100. So you can have 450s, 1025s, 2010s, as long as you can add securities together to go 100. But you can't have 540s. You can't have whatever, 200, whatever. You can't have things that will not equal 100. Okay. Restricted shares are shares like 144 stock or something and a transfer agent has a legend on it that says it can't be sold. These securities are not considered good delivery until that legend is taken off, okay? So the, only the person, only the transfer agent can remove that legend. So if you get shares that have the legend on it, you have to send it back and either get the transfer agent to remove it. And usually who gives the Authority to the transfer agent is the issuer who's saying, yeah, we're good. It's it's met the holding period. And now we have corporate actions like stock splits, stock buybacks, tender offers, stuff like that. So let's start with the main one. Stock splits happen when a stock gets too high. And what happens is it's really like, say, Google goes up to you know $5,000 a share. Well, very few people are going to be able to buy that. Normal people won't. So what they'll do is they'll do like a five for one stock split. So if you own one share at like $5,000. They'll do a five for one, and then now you'll now own five shares at a thousand. So it's the same amount of money. It's just that they split it, so it looks a little. It's like a marketing tool. So if you have a big pizza, like a big pizza, why I said that twice, it's one thing. If you cut it in half, it's two things, but it's still the same amount. So that doesn't change. So let's say you want a hundred shares at fifty, and they do a two for one stock split. Hundred shares at fifty is worth five thousand. If they do a stock split at two for one. It's, you're now going to own 200 shares at 25 bucks, 
which is still 5,000. Pretty easy. So if they do a three for two, you're going to get one and a half times. Okay, so let's talk about how to do this. This is how you handle stock splits. Very easy. <clears throat> and reverse splits. If you have 100 shares at 50 and you see a three for one stock split, you do three divided by one. Okay, three divided by one gives you three. That's your multiplier and your divider. You then multiply the number of shares times three. That gives you 300 in this case. Then you take the share price, 50, and divide it by that same three. So you do 50 divided by three. That gives you 1667. So you now have, instead of having 100 shares at 50, you now have 300 shares at 1667. So that's going to be the same $5,000 within a dollar or two. It should be about the same. That's how you do a forward split. But let's try a different one. Let's say the three for two. That's a little harder to do. So if I did a three for two, I would do three divided by two. That gives me 1.5. If I had 100 shares at 50, I would go, okay. I would take my handy-dandy calculator and go, what do I got? I go 100 shares. So I do three divided by two. 100, that gives me 1.5. If I do 100 times 1.5, that gives me 150. Then I'm going to do this. I'm going to do 50 divided by 1.5, and that gives me 33.33. So if I have 100 shares at 50 and there's a three for two split, I'm going to have after the fact 150 shares at $33. Boom, okay? That's after a three for two. Again, remember, there's no difference in the total value. It's just that it looks nicer. It looks cleaner. It looks cheaper, okay? Now, a reverse split is usually when a company's in trouble. A reverse split is when a company's in trouble, and what they're going to do is you're going to try to make it a higher price. So if you have 100 shares at 50 and they want it to be like a $200 stock, they'll do like a one for two. One for, so you get one share for every two you own. So you do the same thing. You do one divided by two. That would give you one divided by two gives you 0.5. You would do 100 times 0.5, which would give you 50, new, 50 shares after the fact. You don't get new ones. You just have 50 shares. And then you do 50, which is a dollar price of the stock, divided by 0.5. That gives you $100. So that's what they would do. So let's say it's a one for five split. Try a new one. 100 shares at 50, one for five split. So you're going to do one divided by five. Boop, 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 boop. That gives me 0.2. I'm going to do 100 times 0.2, which gives me 20 shares. Then I'm going to do 50 divided by 0.2, and that gives me 250. So now I have 20 shares worth 250 bucks each, which is still $5,000. It just makes it more, it makes it look nicer. Usually they do it when the stock is like at like 30 cents or 10 cents and they want it to be at a four or $5 stock. Citigroup did it about eight years ago. It was trading at $5, they couldn't get it. So they did a one for 10. So now it went from $5 to $50. So it became a $50 stock. But if you own hundred shares, you now only own 10 shares, but it's a $50 stock. So I guess it's not a big deal. Couple things, stock splits and stock dividends do not, are not taxable. Boom. Your cost basis will go down. Your cost basis will go down or up depending on where the new price is, but you will not owe taxes on, st on stock dividends. Cash dividends, yes. Stock dividends, no. And I did stock dividends back in an earlier chapter. Okay. <clears throat> A tender offer. It is just somebody coming in saying, hey, somebody, whether it's the company, management, a, a third party, a pirate, an activist, investor, anyone, was I want to buy the stock. So they're going to make an offer, has to be open for at least 20 days, okay? And they're going to buy, and they're going to say, listen, stock's trading at 40. I'm willing to pay $45 a share for all the company. It could it doesn't have to be all of it. It can be 20%, 30%, whatever it is. 
but you're making an offer to buy the company. And you, as the investor, can decide, do I want to tender my shares to the call? Do I want to tender, which means give your shares into the call and receive the money? You don't have to do it. Problems happens if you don't, but, and maybe somebody else comes in with a better offer, or if enough people don't do it, he has to raise the offer. Who knows? But a tender offer is an offer to buy. Now, can you tender your shares? That's a question. If you are long, which means you own the shares outright, you can tender. If you own, if you own, a, if you own an, a call or a convertible bond or a convertible preferred, and you've issued exercise instructions to exercise, or a right or a warrant, then you are allowed to tender your shares. If you do it before you exercise, you can't do it. If you do it once you issue the exercise instructions, it doesn't have to be completed. Once you issue exercise instructions on a call, on a right, on a warrant, convertible bond, convertible preferred, anything that turns into common, once you exercise it, boom, then you can tender your shares. Mergers versus acquisitions. So a merger is when two companies get together and they combine. Now, say Coke and Pepsi merge, which they wouldn't do, but say they did. If you own Coke and Bobby own Pepsi, well, if after it merged, if they got together, you'd both get some new stock. Now, it could be Coke or Pepsi, but it's really an equal thing where they're merging. An acquisition is one company took over another. So I guess the example they use in the book is Amazon took over Whole Foods. So Whole Foods is now under Amazon. So anyone who owned Whole Foods stocks now gets Amazon stock. And that's control. The opposite is a spinoff. A spinoff is, say, Pepsi. So let's say we have Pepsi and they have all the food delivery services. About 20 years ago, you know, 20, 2001, they spun off the food delivery into Yum! Brand. So if you own Pepsi, if you own one share of Pepsi at 40, it was at 40, and they spun off Yum! Brands and say it was worth half the company, after the fact, you as a shareholder would now own one share of Pepsi at 20 and one share of Yum! Brands at 20. Still the same $40 in reality. But now you own two stocks. So that's a spinoff when it spins off part of their company into a brand new, separately independent company. So when you buy shares of a company, what happens is the broker dealer actually buys them in their name and you're the beneficial owner on their books. But the broker dealer, for the most part, in what they call street name. So if you have an account at Schwab and you open it and you buy 100 shares of Tesla, Tesla doesn't know who you are. They know Schwab as the owner. So what happens is, they're going to get information like voting rights. They're going to get like proxy notices, which is like how you vote and all these notices. And they're going to get them, not you. So they have to make every reasonable effort to get them to you, the, the beneficial owner. So again, street name means that you're buying shares and it's being held in actual the broker dealer's name. You can actually have it in your own name if you want. But you have to ask for it to whether to go transfer and ship or transfer and hold, which means you're transferring it into your name. But they do this street name to make it easier to um, settle. It makes it much quicker. It doesn't really affect you at all. You still own it. If you really want the shares, you can do that. Again, proxies are, um, I think we talked about it in Chapter 3 maybe. It's the way you vote by mail. It's they send the information out to you. You fill out the proxy. I just got one the other day for Apple. They gave me a bunch of check things, and then they had submit. If you fill out a proxy and you mail it in, and then you decide you want to go to the shareholder meeting, you can do that. That'll that'll supersede the one you sent in. Issuers also have to do a, um, issuers of company, of stocks, have to do a report. So they have to do a Q, which is a quarterly report, first, second, third quarter, not audited. The CFO looks at it and reviews it and audits it, but it's not audited by an outside auditor. The 10K is an annual. They actually wrap the, tank, the fourth quarter 10Q in there. That has to be audited by an independent auditor. 
Hey, thanks for listening in. I'm sorry the sound seems a little off. I'm hoping to get it fixed. I may even re-record it. If you guys hit me up on YouTube or in the Facebook group, Finner Exams, and let me know if the sound was too bad to understand, let me know, and I'll re-record it. Not a problem. It only took me like 20 minutes to run. Thanks a lot.